Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. I'm teaching the very thing that we're doing right here this morning. First Chronicles chapter 15. Come on, you there? Nobody wants to open a Bible. All right, let's look right here. First Chronicles 15, one through two, one, uh, the first two verses. Now David built houses for himself in the city of David, and he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. Then David said to no one carry the ark of God but the Levites, and the Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of God and to minister before him forever. Verse 11 says, And David called Zadak and Abathar, the priest, and for the Levites, and Uriah, Isaiah, Joel, Shemaiah, Elal, and Abinadab, Abinadab, and he said to them, You are the heads of the fathers of the house of Levites. Sanctify yourselves and send your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel to its place I have prepared for it. Look at verse 13. It says, Before you, get, before you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us because we did not consult him about the proper order. Look at your neighbor and say there is a prescribed way into God's presence. Let me say this. One of the things that we have failed as preachers is we've told our people to worship God the way you want to. God never told you to worship the way you want to. Come on. This is why we have little presence because we want to worship God the way we want to. We want church services that don't offend people. But we don't mind offending God as long as we don't offend people. Come on now. There is a prescribed way into the presence of God. We don't worship how we want to. Nowhere in the Bible does it say sit with our hands folded in the presence of God. Hello. It says men ought to raise holy hands unto God. Come on, somebody. It says to shout unto God with the voice of triumph. It says to praise him upon the high-sounding high cymbals and upon the stringed instruments. Come on, somebody. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Dance unto the Lord. Is this not what the Bible says? Clap your hands, all you people. Clap your hands, all you people. Come on. There's a prescribed way. So nothing we've done in this place this morning is anti-biblical. We've danced, we've shouted, we've clapped. You with me? Now let's look at this. It's Psalms 100. I want to read this out of the Passion Translation. Think about the prescribed way. Psalms 100. We were... In Forsyth yesterday, all day, Grant and them were playing baseball, and it's on our way home last night. Maybe she won't get mad when it's just real. How I many know just real people living real life and real war out? And Catherine just looked at me and she said, You know, she said, I'm just tired of going for it so hard sometimes. She said, if the people don't want to go for it, I just get tired of just going for it. I said, you never go for it for the people anyhow. Come on, somebody. Just because you worship don't affect my worship. Come on, somebody. If God never does another thing for John, come on, somebody. 
If he never blesses me again, he's done enough. Come on, somebody. He's done enough. If I live to be 140 years old, he is worthy of the praise. Come on, somebody. He's worthy of the glory that I give him. It's not a sacrifice to give him two hours of my Sunday. Come on, somebody. He is worthy that we stand in this place in adoration. Come on, somebody. To the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about a great football player. I'm talking about the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God Almighty is worthy of the praise, honor, and glory that is due his name. So we don't worship for each other, for you. Neither do you worship for me. You worship for how good God has been. The prescribed way. Look at this in Psalms 100 out of the Passion Translation. Lift up a great shout of joy to the Lord. Go ahead and do it, everyone, everywhere. As you serve him, be glad and worship him. Sing your way into his presence with joy and realize what, his, what, what this really means. We have the, look at this, we have the privilege of worshiping the Lord our God. For he is our creator and we belong to him. We are the people of his pleasure. You can pass through his open gates with the password of praise. See, I got privileged to go to a couple places. And one of the places we can go fish, you can't get in there because it's gated. But I have, a, I have a key code that we type in and the gate opens up. What did David just say his password is? See, if you really believe that, we would never have no choir service. I said, if you really believe what the Bible just said, you would never sit down again. Come on, somebody. I was listening to a guy in the Orthodox Church, and he said, in the Orthodox Church, we don't have pews because we never train our people ever to sit down in the presence of God. And this is what he said. He said, it is on this side you can stand in his presence. Come on, somebody. But if you can't stand on this side, you will bow on the other side in his presence. Come on. It is here that we prove what his worth is to us. Oh, yeah, yes, oh, Jesus. Look at this. And realize what it really means. We have the privilege of worshiping the Lord our God, for he is our creator and we belong to him. We are the people of his uh, pleasure. You can pass through his open gates with the password of praise. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. This is always the increase for more of God being thankful right where you're at this morning. You may not have everything you want, everything you desire. Come on, somebody. But we're all thankful in this room. How many knows that you are wealthy people in this room? You are wealthy in this room. You drove in an air-conditioned vehicle. You're sitting in an air-conditioned building. And if you got a roof over your head, you are part of the richest people on the place of the planet. God has been good to us. Come on, somebody. And we cannot forget what how good God has been. Come on, have I got a witness up in here? Has God ever been good to somebody in this room? That is a reason why we go to the password of praise and we enter the gate with thanksgiving. When we go to praise, we start telling God, how thankful I am. I'm thankful for every stake you put on the back of the household. I'm thankful for every dollar you've given me. I thank you for my health, my wife, my family, all the goodness of God that he's been to me. Thanksgiving. Mm. For the Lord is always good. 
and ready to receive you. He's so loving that it will amaze you, so kind that it will astound you. And he is famous for his faithfulness toward all. Everyone knows our God can be trusted, for he keeps his promises to every man. Y'all right? Look right here, Psalms 22. Psalms 22. Verse 1, for the pure and shining one, King David, song of anguish to the tune of the deer at the dawn of the day. Look at this. God, my God, why would you abandon me now? And why do you remain distant, refusing to answer my tearful cries in the day and my desperate cries for help in the night? I can't stop sobbing. Where are you, my God? Yet I know. Look at verse 3. Yet I know you are most holy. It is indisputable. Now let me just say this. Catherine said this. Not every day do I wake up do I feel like giving God my best praise. Not every Sunday do I feel like coming in here preaching. Hello. Sometimes I don't even want to see nobody. Let's just get real. But how many knows this walk is not based on feeling? It's based on faith. Regardless of what I feel, it don't change the way he, who, who he is. So David is crying out in anguish. He feels forsaken by God. This is David's prophetic picture of Jesus on the cross. But he says this, listen. He says, when you don't answer me, I know this, that thou art holy. That word holy means different, other than. This is why I praise God. Come on, somebody. When I'm broke, he's never broke. I can't get no help up in here. I may be standing here this morning broke, can't even go out to eat after church. But let me tell you something, he's never broke. And I say, God, I don't know why I feel forsaken in this moment, but I know this. Thou art holy, you other than me. You're never going through what I'm going through. Come on, somebody. You're never broke, you're never sick, you're never depressed. You're never down, that's why I give you praise. And I know if you like that, you can infuse my life with who you are. Come on, somebody. He said, thou art holy. Now listen what he says. He goes on to say this. You are God, enthroned, surrounded with songs, living among the shouts of the praise of your prince, of your princely people. Where, where does God live? What's his address? The praises of his people. Preach, I can't feel God because you don't praise him. Preach, I don't sense God in my life because you don't praise him. God's address is the praises of his people. Have you ever been depressed? Talk to me, I ain't. Give me a little help right here. I know you can help me. I can be depressed as all get out, but when I get into the secret place, come on, just me and God, and I cut me a little Rick Pino on, mm, I start humming his name. Come on, somebody. I start watching what I feel dissipate off of my life. Thou art enthroned in the praises of your people. This is his address. Look at this, Psalms 143. Somebody said, what are you doing? You're going to preach? I'll preach in a minute. Psalms 43. Look at this. Psalms 43. Verse 5. 
Then I will say to my soul, don't be discouraged. Don't be disturbed. For I fully expect my Savior God to break through for me. Don't be discouraged. Don't be disturbed. For I fully expect my Savior God to break through for me. Then I'll have plenty of reasons to praise Him all over again. Yes, living before His face is my saving grace. The King James renders it like this. For I shall yet praise Him. Come on, y'all. Do you know what a yet praise is? A, a yet praise is I don't have it right now, but it's on the way. How you act when it's on the way. Come on, somebody. How you act when you don't have it determines what you're going to get. It was when Abraham was walking up the mountain with Isaac by his side. Isaac said, Dad, I see the wood, I see the fire, I see the knife, but where is the sacrifice? He said, God for himself shall provide a lamb. First time we see Jehovah Jireh entered in right there. Not on top of the mountain, but on the incline of the mountain. How I act on the incline. Come on, Shane. How I act on the incline when it's so hard that I don't see how it's going to meet. It never looks right on paper. Come on, somebody. But yet I declare him a provider in that moment. Yet I, when I'm so sick, I can't even drag myself to a prayer room. But yet I declare him a healer in that moment. Come on. Because when you praise God, one of the names for praise is Kaddish, which means creator. So when I praise, I begin to create what I need in my life. When I declare him a healer, I create the healing I need. When I praise him as a provider, I start creating the provision of what I need. Abraham had no idea that there would be a ram lacking upon that mountain. Come on, somebody. He just noted whom he had trusted, whom he had fellowship with, whom he had walked with. If God could part the Red Sea for Moses, come on, somebody. God for surely could come through for him. And he looked at Isaac and said, God will provide him a lamb and when he looked like there was no last results and he was about to put the knife through Isaac he heard something in the bushes and a ram was caught in the thicket when you can declare him a yet praise I don't have it right now there's no evidence it's even on the way yet I just know him to be faithful I'm trying to help somebody in this room Paul said I know in whom I have believed and whom I have trusted and he is able to keep that which I have commended unto him you this in 21 years I have never seen God let me down he might have left me on the track when the train was blowing but can I tell you he has always come through he has always been faithful he has never left me nor forsaken me agree with her or not but I read Randy White's book Church Without Walls and he said that Paula called him one day and he said we out of food and we're going we're gonna to lay here, and we're going to die. He said, I want you to begin to pen the words right now. I want you to begin to write a book called The Ones That God Forsaked. He said, because we'd be the first ones in the history of mankind to ever write a book that God has forsaken. Come on, church. He ain't never going to leave us nor forsake us. In every storm, God is there. Come on, somebody. And, Listen to this. David was hungry for the ark. He couldn't live without it. We must be a people that contend for the presence. I said we must be a people 
that contend for the presence. If we don't have the presence of God, we are no different from the Elks Club, the Lions Club. Come on, somebody, this might as well be a mausoleum. But what sets us apart from any other people is we have the abiding presence of Almighty God resting upon our lives. I'm going to have to bring, I guess, uh, somebody with a higher pay grade than me. We must be a people that contend for the presence. Look at Luke chapter 2. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Look at Luke 2, verse 41. Again, I'm reading out the Passion Translation. Every year, Jesus' parents went to worship at Jerusalem during the Passover festival. When Jesus turned 12, his parents took him to Jerusalem to observe the Passover. As for their custom, a full day after they began their journey home, Joseph and Mary realized that Jesus was missing. They had assumed he was somewhere in the entourage, but he was nowhere to be found. After a frantic search among the relatives and friends, Mary and Joseph returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After being separated from him for three days, say three days, they finally found him. After being separated from him for three days, they finally found him in the temple, sitting among the Jewish teachers, listening to them, asking questions. All who heard Jesus speak were astounded at his intelligent understanding of all that he was being discussed and at his wise answers to their questions. His parents were shocked to find him there. And Mary scolded him, saying, Son, your father and I have searched for you everywhere. We have been worried sick over not finding you. Why would you do this to us? Jesus said, why would you need to search for me? Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be here in my father's house consumed with him? I read that to say this. Many of us are traveling and we don't even realize Jesus ain't with us. How many church services do we go through and he's not even with us? But yet we know how to do the church. I know how to do church. We know how to do church well. We know if you attend here regular, mass gonna come up and sing. We're gonna run about 50 minutes. Then you're gonna get to hug your neighbor. You're gonna listen to me holler for an hour. And then we're going to eat a buffet and we're going to live life as usual. Come on, somebody. This is what was happening with Mary and Joseph. They did not even realize that Jesus was not even with them. They thought he was in the entourage. Now, when they, when they can't find him, they realize that Jesus is not here. My God, the presence is gone. He's not even with us. Oh, my God. If I really would preach it real, let me tell you something. Long as the money's good 
As long as everything's good, we don't really look for him. Come on, somebody. It's only when we hit naked threshing floor, that when we hit a bump in the road, that we realize that Jesus ain't with us. Come on. We've got to learn how to live with the greatest blessing of God on our life and still contend and make his presence the top priority. Come on, somebody. This is how we're going to live in a last day's revival, living under the greatest blessing we've ever walked in, but yet waking up every day to pursue him to the same level as when nobody knew me and when I didn't have the blessing on my life like I do now. They don't even realize Jesus is with them. So when Jesus can't be found, the last place they go is to the temple. I thought if you were looking for God, the first place you would go is to the temple. How many people are coming to our churches looking for God, but they can't find Him? They go to all the relatives, go to the friends, frantically searching. Finally, they come to the temple. And Mary looks at Jesus, says, your father and I have lost you. First of all, Joseph wasn't his father. God was his father. He said, did you not know that I would be in my father's house consumed with him? traveling without the presence we must be a people listen to me to contend for the presence not on Sundays every day of your life contend for the presence I will say that again for the 10 people that I believe I'm preaching for Sundays is not the day we go after it it is every day that we contend for his presence it is every day that we contend for his presence I don't know how you can live life How do you live life without meeting with him every day? Listen to this. Abraham Heschel says this. The great Jewish scholar says this. There is no proof. There is no real proof. I feel God on me. There is no real proof of the existence of the God of Abraham. Only witnesses. That's why Jesus said, after the Holy Spirit shall come upon you, you shall be a witness unto me. A witness is an eye account. My God, I can't get no help right here. Tom Thomas would not call you to the stand to be a witness if you heard it from Danny. To be a witness as you stood there. You've seen it with your own eyes. There is no proof of the God of Abraham. There is only witnesses. I can tell you this morning, he is real. Not because I read about him. It's some fairy tale. Not because I got a Bible. But I have seen him. I've seen the eyes like fire and the hair like wool and the feet like brass. And I didn't see him in the church. I've seen him in a private place of worship and prayer unto him. I know he's real. There's only witnesses. Do I got any eye accounts of the living God in this room? You've seen him. You know him to be real. You've seen him.
there is no proof. He writes. He also writes this, that God drove man out of paradise. Later, man built his paradise and drives God out of his paradise. He also writes, to give you one more quote to wet your palate, he said, in biblical days, the prophets were astir while the world was asleep. Yet in our day, the world is astir while the church of the living God is asleep. It is time that we realize the reason we gathered Cornerstone is not to build some big fancy church. It's not to be the best thing in Cook County or to get on the map or get on TBN, but it is to to worship the living almighty God where people can encounter him. All right. Mary's traveling. Jesus is traveling. Don't even realize Jesus ain't with us. We've traveled for a journey. He ain't even been with us. We've just been doing church. Just going through the motion. You say, how can that happen? Because in Moses' day, in David's day, they still had the tabernacle of Moses and people were going in that place left and right and God wasn't nowhere near there. God was on the side of Mount Zion with David's tabernacle. All right, let's come on. I'm almost done here. I'm going to get us out right here. You'll be the first one at the buffet. See, I don't know how you live your life, but I'm just telling you how, like me, we were, I can't remember what we're doing. The other day, we were listening to some country music. I, I, I play all kinds of songs, so don't take me where I'm not going. I'm an 80s rock and roll man. That's what I really like. I can pray with that, too. Bon Jovi living on a prayer. Def Leppard. Same way with worship. I ain't going to get in that, but see, you, 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 we get caught up on style. We think that we think God ain't in Southern Gospel. I can tell you a bunch of Southern Gospel he's in. I can tell you a bunch of contemporary he ain't nowhere near. Don't get up on style. Don't ever think that music is worship. That's a band playing up there this morning. That ain't worship. Hello. What makes it worship is the contrite heart that's broken before God. That's when it becomes worship. David, let's go back to the text. Let's go back to the text. He's hungry for the ark, but the ark is at Obed-Edom's house because they went to go after it. They did not seek for it in the days of Saul. That's a whole other message. But as they, 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 they don't dig back in the history enough to find out how to move God. So they come up with this cart. They got these boards and they got this cart and they're rolling it on the journey. Yuza is the man leading the procession. Yuza leads the procession and the scripture says that the oxen stumbles at Nacon's threshing floor. And as the oxen stumbles, the ark rocks. I want to tell you this. 
that the ox is what rocked. The ark was never moved. How do you know that? Because when Jesus, the ark, come on somebody, was on earth, he was in a boat with his disciples and the boat was shaking, but he was never shaking. Yuza reaches out and he grabs hold of the ark to stabilize it. When he does, the scripture says that God's anger burned against him and killed him right there instantly. Now let me ask you this. How would you like to be some of David's elders after he, you witnessed Yuza dying in the street and he tells you we're about to go get the ark? Don't you think there's a little bit of prayer and a little bit of research went on into that? So David has to go back to the prescribed way how God said that the ark had to be moved. First of all, it would never be put on a cart and it would never be rolled. Come on, somebody. We want revival, but we want it to come in our way. We've reduced God down to our image instead of raised our image to his image. Hello. I can tell you this. Every writer I've ever read about, you ain't going to get hold of God. Listen to me. You ain't going to get hold of God in the wild. Listen, just scratch that. It's not about time, but it is about quality that you're you're looking for. Listen, why did God, why did God, there's a lot of speculation here. Why did God kill Yuzah? Let me tell you one of the reasons why I believe God killed Yuzah. Number one, his father, Yuzah's father, was Abinadab. And after they recovered the ark from the Philistines, when David went to seek after to get it, where did he go? He went to Abinadab's house. This is where the ark was. It was there for almost 20 years. Yuza and his brother was raised around the ark. Every day they saw it. They saw the ark that God instructed Moses, which would represent God traveling with his people. Come on. The ark was built out of wood and overlaid with gold, which represents the humanity of God and the deity of God all in one. Every day they saw the ark. Every day they saw it. And so what happened when the oxen stumbled, what used to be holy now become common. Familiarity breeds contentment. Oh, that's just John. That's just Matt. Oh, we felt that in here before. Amber can sing. Oh, I feel a little goosebumps now. We've never made it to the glory. If you're standing and you tell me you saw the glory of God, I'm going to tell you right now, answer your question. You have never seen the glory of God. You tell me you've seen the glory and you can live to tell about it. What kind of Bible do you got? Come on. Exodus 19, the scripture says God came down to Mount Sinai, but Exodus 20 says that God's word ascended on Sinai, just his word. Just his word about crumbled the mountain. He himself wasn't standing there. Well, I heard God speak. I'm just telling you this. Here's the thing. We have got to raise the holy in the church again. 
I, listen, y'all, I'm finna get mad right here. I'm finna get fired right here. Listen, I will, I'll show you a clip of Benny Hinn preaching at World Harvest Church and the power of God's moving in that room and a child steps out in the middle of the aisle and he calls that child down right there. Boom. And he says, get that child in a seat. Hello. Let's go on and get up on it. But our children run around here while worship's going on like nobody's business. God is still holy. Hello. I know we got the friend of God and the grace of God message, but I came to tell you this morning, he's still a holy God. He's still King of kings and Lord of lords. There is none beside him, and we have got to learn how to reverence the holy. Oh, my God, I'm going to sound like an old preacher, but let me tell you something. In the old days when God was moving, folk wouldn't go into the bathroom. Folk were standing in awe that God was in the room. And if we would learn how to reverence the holy, when somebody's down here in this altar, we wouldn't be worried about Facebook, Twitter, or anything else. we say, my God, they're standing on the doors of eternity, making the greatest decision. we got to reverence the holy. had gotten so common that that user said don't worry about it guys don't worry about it I'll get it I'll stabilize it let's make no mistake about it God don't need our help stabilizing anything hello he only chooses to allow us into the plan is ineffable he's holy he's omniscient omnipresent the God who stepped out of nothing and said let there be this is the one I'm describing before you this morning in the small limited vocabulary I'm not a linguist enough to describe Yahweh in this room the word of God reveals him but I can tell you this morning that it does not contain him he is God Jesus said, I'll just help you. I'll just help you, God. God dropped him. David said, we've got to learn how to tell you. We've got to learn how to do this. we got to learn how to do this. Can you give me right here? I'm almost done with the first point, really. you got to... We gotta, we gotta figure it out. Oh my God, He can't be put on a cart. He can't, He can't be put on boards. God can't move like this. It's got to be on the back of Levite priests that are sanctified, set themselves apart under God, and they gotta put a pole through these rings, and we gotta tote this thing under. If we would have put as much time and resources into prayer and fasting as much as we had, getting noticed and getting on the next latest greatest thing, we'd have been in revival years ago. I'm not mad. I know people say, well, my God, what's he got a beef with? I'm trying to stand between humanity and God and say, God, bring us to the level we got to get to. I 
I'd rather have a shepherd in my face saying, grow up, rise up, than I had one slick-tongued politician saying, everything's okay, everything's okay. I came to tell you, it's not okay. The devil tells you, it's okay, you're all right. God is still holy. Listen here, I'm almost, I'm done right here. I will tell you this one other thing. I will tell you this one other thing before I leave. I heard this years ago, probably some 10, 12 years ago. I heard a man preach on the tabernacle out of Hebrews chapter 9. And he gave me a powerful revelation of a text that I've read many times. Hold up right here. Just hold up right here just a second. In Hebrews chapter 9, it talks about the prescribed way of worship. Now, let me say this. You can't worship God with your soul. Church, we quiet. I guess you're taking it in. I would be quiet too if I had a big bald-headed man screaming at me. You can't worship God with your soul. John 4, 24, those that worship God must worship in spirit and in truth. You worship God with your spirit. This is why in every church service, when we hit the tom, when we hit the floor drum or whatever it is, when we hit that and when we got it jumping, everybody's with us. But when we just get into the slow hum, take me past the outer court and to the holy place. Past the brazen altar, Lord, I long to see your face. People start falling by the wayside. Take me past the crowds of people and to the priest to sing your praise. I hunger and thirst for your righteousness, and it's only found one place. People start falling by the wayside. Because now we've transferred from the soul to the spirit. See, now I've done bless the Lord, oh, my soul. This is why we have to praise your souls, your mind, will, and emotions. Because we pull in the parking lot all jacked up, you know what I'm saying, just cussed the wife out and got in the, got in the, got in the church and said, praise God, preacher, how you doing? Glory to God, we're doing great this morning. Broke two dishes. I'm talking real life. That ain't never happened. This is why me and Catherine don't ride to church together, so I prevent all that. When we pastored in when we pastored in Alma, we had to drive 45 minutes. So I got stopped by the law three times. So we get to church, I should tell me we running late because daddy got stopped by the law. Now you, well, I want to tell you, as you take three small kids drive 45 minutes, go through McDonald's, they tell you to pull up to the white line because they ain't got a chicken biscuit ready. You're cutting it on time right there because you always waiting on a woman. Come on. Huh? So you 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 fighting it whatever you can to get on the CD player to get some type of ounce of anointing before you get there. It's real life. But what I'm trying to tell you is The Bible says in Hebrews 9 verse 8, as long as the outer tabernacle remains, 
the way to the holy of holies remains hidden. You never get there. And I would tell you this, listen to me. Most of the time corporately, we get to the veil but never pierce it. There is times, as the great Abraham Heschel says, that man does pierce the veil and peers into eternity. And so as long as this outer tabernacle remains, the way into the holy of, holiest of all remains hidden. But yet if we make it past the outer tabernacle, we step into the place called the Spirit. Now, right here. Help me out right here, Adam. I'm almost done. So listen to this. Listen right here. Worship is the place that me and God can be real. This is the place it can be real. This is why I love it. The secret place. See, my secret place might scare some of you, but it's where I tell him how I really feel. It's why I look at him like Moses did and said, I'm about tired of this stiff-necked bunch of people. What's my next marching orders? God, I'm really struggling today. Me and Catherine's been at it for three days, and I'm ready to choke her, Lord. That woman thou gavest me is hindering me. And she's in the other room. Father, that man that thou sent has hindered our whole family. Worship is the place that I can be real and true. See, some of you worried that if you really brought your stuff to God, he'd turn his face. But I'm telling you, he already knows what you have before you ever approach him. He knows you was jacked up. Here's the funny thing. He knowed that I was jacked up when he called me. He factored in all my mistakes, and yet he still called me to preach this glorious gospel. That's why it's called grace. And Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Worship is the place that I can be real. I don't know why we love preaching so much. But here at Corner, I mean, we, 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 want the, we want the preached word. But do you understand that this is the second dairy part of the service? How do you know that? Because it was the fall of man, man's sin that had to bring about preaching. Paul said it's the foolishness of preaching that men shall be saved. That, that he calls us overweight preachers to get up here and sweat. Veins bulging out ahead, preach the gospel. But worship was before the fall. Worship is where you have to have no talent. You can just be you and declare who he is. So we get past this outer tabernacle and enter this place called truth. And I become honest with him. And he becomes honest with me. And I say, Lord, this is where I'm really at. This is where the great preacher John is really at today. And he has no fear.
See, there was a woman in Luke chapter 7. The Bible says she was a sinful woman. The Bible says she was a prostitute, a harlot. But Jesus was invited to Simon's house. And they were about to have a meal. And this woman pushes through the door and walks in where Jesus is and gets at his feet and begins to weep over his feet and wash his feet with her hair. What I'm trying to tell you is worship is where you can be real. This is how she would seduce her clients with her hair. But for the woman, the hair is the glory. Just quoting the Bible. And Simon is watching this occasion go happen. He's watching this in the room. And he says, man, this is no prophet at all. Because if this was a prophet, he would know what kind of jacked up person that is at his feet. And Jesus, knowing his thoughts, looked at him and said, Simon, I ask of you a question. And he goes into about a person who owes a debt. And he said, which of the one do you think will rejoice greater? He said, Lord, the one that is forgiven of the most debt. He said, likewise, this woman has been forgiven of many debts. So see, before you judge somebody's worship, you just don't know where they came from. I was the young 18-year-old jacked-up boy. Come on, somebody. That the teacher looked at and said, you probably ain't going to make nothing. Come on, somebody. I'm glad she wasn't the final say-so in my life. But I've been forgiven of much. Not only was I forgiven of much by the time I was 18, I've been forgiven of much as a preacher. So I have no other choice. This is why on the way from Forsyth, tired as all get out, and Catherine says, I don't know if I'm going to go for it real hard in the morning. I looked at her and said, we ain't got no other choice but to give God everything we got, regardless if them people don't never stand up, don't never tithe, don't never clap their hands. We have no choice. Because long before there was ever a pulpit or there was ever a church, me and that woman was dancing in the house, giving God the greatest praise and the greatest glory. See, worship is where I can be me. It's where I come in not dressed up. I don't come in as the preacher. I come in as John. And I say, Lord, I love you. I'm miles from what you probably expect of me. But God, I love you. God, I can't believe I did that yesterday. I wouldn't want nobody to know that. But I came to tell you this morning, I love you. I got anybody up in this room this morning. See, let me say this. And I got to be, I've got to get out of here. But see, the early church, the early church wouldn't call themselves Christian. They wouldn't do it. We know in the Bible that Acts 15, they was first called Christians at Antioch, but the early church wouldn't call themselves Christians because to be a Christian is Christ-like. They would say, I'm becoming a Christian. And they would say it like this because he's the way, the truth, and the life. The old church would say it like this, I'm on the way. See, in worship, I ain't arrived at no place. I just come in as a becoming Christian on the way. 
Steve, with all your faults, and you got some, because I do too, but we own the way. And I know this, the more I get in his presence, the more he becomes in me, and I become like him. That is the only place. Now let me tell you this. If you're a man in here and you got a wife, she knows when you've been in the presence. See, I'm married to the Holy Spirit in more ways than one. Then she'll look at me and say, you need to go get with God. You know why? Because I become hard. I become cynical a little bit. I become hard. But when you're in the presence of God and you become real with God, God just makes your heart pliable and soft. Come on, somebody. And the kids act up and you overlook it. Come on, somebody. Why fixes you a burnt offering for supper and you overlook it? You eat it with gladness and thankfulness. What I'm looking for is this. I'll leave you with this. I know what it's like to be in a church, to never have to call the church to order. When we were in Jessup, we never, I would say this, I wouldn't say never, but I would tell you 80% of the services were never called to order. The worship team was going for it. And the people just realized that the presence had come in the building. And the people respond to the presence. But when I go to God, I say, God, what I got to do, what I got to do to get the people to recognize your presence in the room. Because if you truly believe what I preached this morning, that praise is the password. God is enthroned in the praise of his people. Then whatever you need this morning, you didn't have to get from me. You can get from God. You can go to your house and change your whole situation and your whole life. Me and that woman right there on multiple occasions, I have went to our house and I have cut worship on and I've opened the front door and and worshiped God like a wild man and said, devil, get the heck out of here. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of being depressed. Can I tell you this morning, God's in a good mood. He ain't looking down at our pitiful situation said, oh, Lord, how what they gonna, how they going to do it? Jesus, how are we going to make it happen? He's not worried a bit. He's actually pretty, he's pretty solid in who he is. He's good at being God. Father, we love you this morning. We love you with our whole heart, every part of our being our whole fiber, everything within us. Every cell, all of our molecular structure, we love you. Your mercy is amazing. I'm blown away at your goodness and your mercy. May we never, ever be a people that thinks your presence is a commonplace. You don't show up because you want to. You show up because you've been invited. 
And for some kind of way, we happen to slip and we happen to come across with what you desire in that moment. And you invite yourself, you come and inhabit the praises of your people. We realize this morning that we cannot change ourselves. There's, not, there's no self-help book. If a self-help book could have done it, Jesus would have never went to the cross. But we realize this morning it is only by your presence that we can change. And Father, as I preached in this house this morning, there is a pathway there. Let us enter through the pathway of praise. Password of praise. Let us go through that gate with thanksgiving. And let us worship you in spirit and in truth. Do not let us be on a three-day journey and realize that Jesus is not with us. But let us be aware of the presence. You know, I don't know if this is a good analogy or not, but he wrote a pretty cool book. R.T. Kendall wrote a book about the Holy Spirit. And he talked about a dove. But I want to show you how aware Jesus is of the presence of God. He's walking. There are thousands, hundreds, thronging him, trying to get a piece of him. And there is a woman with the issue of blood that presses through. And he feels that dove shift off of his life. His focus was never the crowd. His focus was always the presence that was upon his life. What if we became a people that were presence-focused to that degree? In conversation, in conduct, and in everyday living unto God, we were aware of the presence on our lives that strong. When we walked into Walmart, we were aware of the presence. I just want to tell you, you are witnesses sitting in this room. You are the books that the world couldn't contain in John 21. Paul said, we are written epistles, read of all men. And there's wonderful stories sitting before me that a whole world needs to read. Father, I bless his people today. I want you to stand as our ushers come. Don't think I'm a real preacher. I've not forgot about the tithes and the offerings. <laughs> Raise your hands right here just to, just as a hands to receive. Father, I bless. I bless your people today. I bless your people today. In Jesus mighty name, I bless them, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy and your grace upon our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Come on, if you will, bring your gift. And God bless you. We'll see you here on Wednesday night. Thanks for listening to this message. For more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media. 